0: Helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and award-winning psychotherapist. Hi, this is Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services, and I want to thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Radio Show. Today we have another interesting show lined up for you. Today's show is about escape from the sex trade industry. And in studio today, we have Cassandra Diamond, director of Bridge North, who is going to be sharing her story of how she found freedom from the sex trade industry and found God in the process. Stay tuned. It's going to be a very interesting show. But before we get into today's show, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Elim, just in case you're a first-time listener. You can find out more about our organization by going to elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. We are a professional counseling organization that provides subsidized counseling for many different issues, couples-related issues, mental health issues, you name it, just about everything. So if you're in need of help, you can get a hold of us by calling 613-699-1677. And again, thank you very much for listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today. Cassandra, thank you very much for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Radio Show.
1: Thanks for having me, Michael. You know, I read your story
0: in Flair Magazine, and I was just amazed. I, I I started reading. Usually, I, I am so busy, I, I will start reading an article, I will read the first few lines, put it down, move on to something else, or just scan through it and move on. But I started reading your testimony of how mm. you found freedom, how you escaped the sex trade industry. And I just couldn't it down. I was just so amazed by the the, the miracle-working power of God and how God can take a bad situation and turn it around for something good. But before we get into a, a discussion of the of your life and uh, that was reflected in that article. Maybe you you could start by just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit Mm. about the organization that you have started called Bridge North.
1: Thanks, Michael. Um, When I had exited the sex industry in 2004, actually September eleventh, two 2004, it hadn't taken me long, just a couple of years um, before I had realized I really needed to go back to help these young girls and women Um, see that there is a real hope and that they could get out of the industry if they wanted to. These services weren't really available or existing at the time, so it did make us quite unique. Um, That uniqueness is in fact because, like you've pointed out, um, freedom from the sex trade, it came both from the fleshly perspective but as well as the spiritual perspective. So I was able to physically get out of the industry, but I was also able to phys- to spiritually find freedom in Christ. And ultimately, that's what gave me the confidence, the power, and the ability to go back and to speak with the women um, that I had once been in the, in the industry with.
0: So absolutely. So God has, has placed it on your heart that it was not just enough to escape the industry, but you need to find and rescue others who were trapped in the industry. One of the other things that struck me from the article, your article, is the the, the impact of adverse childhood mm. experiences. When I read your story, I, I realized that there was a number of adverse childhood experiences that you went through. As a matter of fact, we did a show uh, a few months back where we talked about the impact of Adverse Childhood Experiences and how it sets us up for failure earlier, later mm-hmm. on in life. And I read your story and I'm just struck by the fact that there were a number of, of adverse childhood experiences in your situation. To begin with, you talked about a mother that had some kind of... Undiagnosed mental illness. Tell me a little bit about what life was like in your home uh, with, with a mother that, that had undiagnosed mental illness.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> it was certainly um, difficult to navigate um, living in the home and not knowing when my mom was going to kind of blow up or explode, um, so because she herself didn't know. Um, she just really tried to um, um, kind of, she just tried to kind of really live on the outside of the family just by containing herself. She would just really isolate herself within the family unit in order to kind of keep herself and us safe. But it was really difficult in the sense where we didn't know, Um, when she would become upset. We didn't know what was actually upsetting her. So today I could, you know, be a loud, boisterous child and it wouldn't be a problem, but the next day being a loud, boisterous child would really upset her.
0: So you were walking on eggshells around her all the time, just not knowing when you are going to step on something or do something that is going to trigger trigger her to be to be angry so that must have been highly stressful for you one of the other things that i think you touched on in the article was the fact that the, as a result of her mental illness you didn't have that boundary of protection Mm -hmm. around you and as a result you had some unfortunate experiences one that you wrote about was with with a stranger tell tell us a little bit listeners a little bit about uh, that incident and Mm -hmm. what happened there
1: I was a very little girl at the time and I was uh playing outside in the in really the nook of a shrub and we were outside alone often that was also part of the mental illness was that we were really often unattended and in that time um a man had simply grabbed me from the bushes in which I was uh playing and had taken me back behind our house um where there was a creek area and so, there, um, the man had raped me, and so at the time, um, I was so very young I didn't even know the words to describe what was what was hurt you mm-hmm. know if mm-hmm. if I hurt my arm, I could say I hurt my arm, but I didn't even have the vocabulary to tell somebody what was happening and so, um, After uh, the sexual assault, the rape had happened, I remember going into my home and going straight into my room and to lay down because I think that's what kids do when they get really hurt. They go and they, I'm tired, I want to go to sleep. And so I I had done that and I walked past my mom. There was no questions asked. There was um, no real assistance there. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't
0: even realize that something had happened to you that you looked distraught that and I guess maybe part of that was the mental illness. She's having her own difficulties and so she's not in tuned to what you're experiencing as a child.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, with these types of experiences in my home, that was just one uh, instance of sexual violence. Uh, by the time I was seven years old, I had massed nine abusers, one rapist, and a multi generational maternal uh, pedophile my my grandfather on my maternal mom's side, and um, it was difficult because it wasn't one random act of violence, which is enough to begin with. Certainly, yes, yes. Uh, there's no there's no need to have many offenders. Absolutely,
0: because I have many clients who maybe just have one experience and. It has affected them to the point where in their 30s or 40s, they're coming in for counseling. But you had many experiences mm-hmm. that that you have just talked about here, one being your, your grandfather. Mm-hmm. So someone who you expected would protect you, uh, look out for you, nurture you, betrayed you by mm-hmm. this sexual act. Tell us a, a little bit more about uh, your grandfather what was he like and how, how you ended up being with him for, for that to happen was he a part of your household or was it uh, were you visiting visiting him
1: actually I'm born to uh, my father's side is Jewish okay. and so I was born to a Jewish family and so we didn't celebrate Christmas in my in my home um, so in the pursuit of My mom experiencing Christmas because that's what she was used to. We would go down to her family's home, and her family was from a northern, a remote northern community. And um, so my grandfather was a real burly man. He was a hunter. He was a trapper. Um, At this time, I remember we'd walk into the house, and there would. Be a gun propped in the corner of a room just under the broom. Mm. It was very normal. I mean, oftentimes you'd have your dogs outside, and if you heard a loud noise, you would take your gun with you. It would maybe be a much larger animal. It was normal. And so, but I came from the city, so it was really sc- kind of also scary for me because um, when he would take me down uh, into the basement, which was really kind of his habitat. And, you know, he would take uh, me down to the basement area and that's where he had his his room where he would load his bullets and do all of his hunting, all of his hunting stuff, his pelts and all that type of stuff. But that's also where he kept a very large stash of pornography. And so um, the pornography, what he would do is he would show me these images of of women and they would be smiling or they would be seeming to uh, like being naked or with men. And, and he, so he would show me these images and tell me, look it, she likes this. You know, you're going to like this too. And so um, what this did was create really that he was informing me and grooming me yes. on um, really how to behave in right. a way that he um, had wanted. And so it was really detrimental because here I am now, really... We don't have Christmas in our home. And so I didn't have another g- grandparent or family to, com- to compare this to. Right. So it's not like I could look and say, oh, wait a second, something's wrong here. Because I didn't have, it's not like we did every other Christmas with each family. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if this was normal or not normal. And I had already been experiencing, I had already been raped and been experiencing sexual violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, you know, this, this is what women are for. And that's what he started telling me. So the words he would say on top of the images he would show me were sending me this message that really this is what women are for and this is what's expected of them. And um, you know, you're, really, you're here to, to, to please a man.
0: So you're getting a lot of wrong messages there. Number one, you're, you're learning not to trust because someone who is supposed to protect you is now violating you number two you're you're learning uh, bad lessons about what women what women are supposed to be like and so i'm sure that these this a tremendous effect on your life mm-hmm. going forward and you're you're being uh, told that women likes this, like you're you're being given a message about what a woman is supposed to be like as well. So I'm sure that that had tremendous impact on you, Cassandra, where as you entered into your teenage years, Mm -hmm. for example, there were many things, many ways in which this sort of trauma, I call it a trauma, when you have a child who goes through that kind of experiences, with with a grandfather, it, it it's as much of a trauma, or even more of a trauma, than what happened with the stranger, in 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 outside the house in the bushes, because that's that's another level of betrayal, mm-hmm. another level of hurt. But take me through how this played out in your teenage years? What were some of the the offshoots from those kind of bad experiences?
1: So let's just look back at the comment you had made about the messages that were being sent to me. And you're right, those were inappropriate messages. But the other message that was being sent to me is that this is what men do. Mm -hmm, Men mm -hmm. hurt, men rape, um, men don't need my input, consent, care in anything um, that has to do with my body. Mm -hmm. And so that moved into my teenage years, whereas when I was looking to try to form relationships, um, you know, they weren't intimate. Not emotionally intimate, because I was only taught the physical uh, responsibilities of a relationship. Right.
0: And if men hurt, why would you want to have an intimate, close bonding relationship with men. They're going to hurt you anyway.
1: Yeah, so sex became a physical act versus an emotional opportunity to connect.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show. This is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And with me in studio today is Cassandra Diamond, director of North, an organization that helps to get women out of the sex trade industry. And today's show is about escape from the sex trade industry, where Cassandra is here with us in studio. And she has been sharing her story of how God took her out of that Industry. If you have missed the first part of the show, you can listen to it by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. You can also call us at 613 1677 So Cassandra had just been talking about the, the, the wrong messages that you're getting. And one of those messages is about men. Mm-hmm. But I think another message is about your worth, your mm-hmm. your value, and uh, information about, about your body. And as you enter into teenage years... And uh, even the later part of, early part of adult life, these kind of messages had a tremendous negative impact on you. Take us through those years and some of the things that you got into as a result mm-hmm. of what you experienced.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the messages and the, the um, experiences I had early in life really chipped away at my, my confidence. And it, it left me really with no self confidence, absolutely, really no self worth, dignity. Not really, you know, and so all of the things that I would have needed to help me through my teenage years weren't there or in place. So it kind of left me vulnerable in the sense that, um, you know, when guys would, you know, I was an easy target. Guys would come up to me and they would be able to realize, oh, wow, well, she, I didn't have any protection around me. It just was that I was an easy target for them. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of people in there, especially in the teenage years, who take that uh, option, uh, coming from the male perspective, who take the option. So it was difficult. I wasn't able to connect emotionally within relationship context as well. And so um, I found it very, very, very difficult um, to to connect with people. Um, When I was 17... Um, I actually, when I was 16, I had become pregnant. And when I was 17, a month after turning 17, um, I had um, decided to uh, give my child for adoption. And I decided to do that because um, I had seen another family that I was very close with, and I had seen the... the um, the difference between the exi- the life I had and the life that they were giving their children, and so with that contrast, I could see, for the first time in my life, that actually, some of my life might not have been normal. I can't put my finger on it. I don't exactly know why mm-hmm. not. But but these kids have different outcomes. They have different um, life experiences. They have different opportunities. And I can't provide this to to my child. And so uh, with that decision, I had decided to uh, give my child for adoption privately. I had taken as many steps as I could to love and care for my son, um, with the power that I had, I picked his parents, all of the above. And after: How I'd
0: difficult was that decision for you to?:
1: Actually, Michael, um, that was the catalyst for me. That is actually what broke me. As much as I wasn't doing well in my teenage years, yes. I had still been fighting. Yes. I had still been trying, I had still been you know trying to connect with the few people adults that were helping me. But then um, when I had given him for adoption and I had left the hospital without my son, that was the final straw. That is the day I broke because that is the day I stopped fighting and then became hopeless. See, it's when the hopelessness set in that I became defeated and I could no longer see any options or opportunities for my life. And so I just succumbed. Mm -hmm. Whatever would happen would happen.
0: So take me to where that led you. What Mm -hmm. dark places did that lead you to, that hopelessness that you talked about?
1: In fact, very, very much so. So um, with all the abuse that I had experienced and with all of the... um, the the lies I had come to believe about how life really works. Um, A friend of mine had started uh, stripping in a strip club and she I didn't believe her anyways I'd gone with her and and I realized I started stripping because I saw what was happening. I saw that it seemed like she had power over these men. It seemed like she had control. She was deciding who she danced for. She was um collecting money for using her body and I had always thought wait a second people have just taken what they wanted I might as well just get paid for it right and so I had started stripping as well and it wasn't long into stripping that I realized I had no more power or control than I did from my grandfather from that man who raped me from the other boys in my child in my neighborhood that would take advantage of me I had no more control than than I did now I I hadn't developed any mechanisms, uh, coping mechanisms or ability to defend myself or to recognize my own vulnerabilities that people were preying on. And so I really just went into the sex industry just an abused woman who didn't know a different life or didn't understand a life without violence.
0: So take me through what life was like in that industry, because from mm. conversations I've had with you, I understand that you were still seeking, you were still searching for God. Even within the, the, the sex trade industry, yeah. you realized that there was a part of you that needed something more, despite the counterfeits that the devil brought your way, the the, the counterfeit of, being in, of having power, of being in control, of being successful. Despite those counterfeits, Cassandra, you still felt mm. that you were missing something, and it started. It resulted in a search for mm-hmm. God. Tell me about your search for God and some of the questions that you were asking of people around you.
1: Michael, I've always known that I was created. I've always known that there's a God above me. There's there's somebody above me. Actually, I didn't know his name. I called him the champ. Uh, cause that's I knew a, that's the,
0: quite an appropriate name, the
1: champ. <laughs> that, that was <laughs> right. what I called Jesus. I called him the champ. Yes. And so... I had been so empty inside but known that somehow that I see God in other areas of life I see God in in other people I I still somehow see that that there is a God I just didn't think he loved me right and so when I was in the sex industry, I couldn't help myself. And by the way, I started in strip clubs. I I was in all aspects of the sex industry. So that includes massage parlors, all of it, right? And so I I was really meeting over a thousand women. And I had asked them, I said, is there a God? Is there a God? And I would ask all these women and All of the people I spoke to, they were all telling me, yes, there's a God.
0: That would be quite a shocker for a lot of people, because you would think of people within the sex trade industry that they are far from the church, they are far from God, and far from spirituality. But you're telling me and telling our listeners Mm -hmm. that every person you spoke to was saying that there is a God.
1: Really, every person. And so I had so many people were saying, yeah, there's a God, yeah, there's a God. I had to ask them, well, how do you know? Right. And I knew too there was a God, so I'm still one of these people. And I knew too there was a God. So when I would the next question was, How do you know? And so about eighty five percent of the people, they said, I know there's a God because I've seen so much evil. Very interesting. Yes. Really it is. Mm. And so but the other fifteen percent of the people, you know what, Michael? This is a high stress environment. This is a high stress environment. Even on the best of days, everybody's tensed right imagine just before you get into a car accident just before you tense up you know that's what life is like that's what it feels like Every on, a, day. on a
0: day-to-day basis Every just day. this high stress that is yep. is always there it's really what it's yes. like mm-hmm. and
1: so with that other 15% of people you'd see their shoulders kind of relax a little bit and a little small smile creak on their face mm-hmm. and they would say i know there's a god because i met him and so they encounter god in an amazing way and when when you're in the industry and I think it doesn't matter if you're just in the sex trade. It doesn't matter if, if you are just having... Um, <clears throat> it doesn't have to be such a profound thing, you know, to be honest, or a terrible, harsh Skid Row story. You know, I think that God reveals himself to those who are lowly in spirit. And he has a special, special connection to them. And he just is waiting to reveal himself. And I think that for the people who believe... They, they, they see it and they reckoned it as, I met God.
0: Mm. Very, very, very interesting because the Bible tells us that God is close to those who are brokenhearted and to those who are crushed mm. in spirit. And and so there's a lot more here that we have to get into, Cassandra. And we're almost out of time for today's show. But what we're going to do, I, I want to continue this interview with you mm. for for the next week. So what we're going to do is we're going to wind down this show here for today, but there's so much more that I want to ask you. So much more powerful things are in your store because the mm. conversations that I've had with you have just blown my mind as to the power of God, the, yeah. the, the grace of God, the tremendous ability of God to take adversities and to turn them into blessing. And I don't want our listeners to miss out on hearing mm. the more of those powerful aspects of your story. So I want to, to, to wrap up this show here for today, but to invite you back. Are you willing to come back in the next show to, to tell us more about your story?
1: Thanks, Michael. I'd love to do that.
0: Absolutely. I'm very happy that you're able to come. So if you have just joined us, if you have been listening to us, we are... We, I'm hearing today, I should say, with Cassandra Diamond, uh, she was previously in the sex trade industry, and she has been sharing her story about how she escaped from the sex trade industry and how she found God in the process. Cassandra today is the director of Bridge North, an organization that helps to help young girls to be freed from the sex trade industry. So stay tuned next week because we're going to be talking more about her story, talking more about how the power of God and how God reached down to her in the midst of her, of her adversities and the and, and tremendous testimony of how God was there with her even in, in the midst of the darkness. Maybe you're listening to today's show and you're in a situation that seems very dark. Cassandra's story is a reminder that regardless of how dark your situation is, God is right there beside you. So tune in next week, next Monday morning at 9.30, when we are going to have the second part of this show. If you're not familiar with Elim Counseling Services, we can be found by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M. Counseling with two L's ministry You can contact us by phone at six one three six nine nine. 1677. Again, ELIM, we are a professional counseling organization that provides professional counseling for a wide range of issues from a Christian perspective. So if you're in need of help, give us a call today or contact us by email. You can also uh, interact with us by going to our Facebook page and by leaving your comments if you have questions about this show or if you have uh, a question that you would like to ask you can do so either by contacting us or by, by email or by on our Facebook page. Until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.